If you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles on, iPads, iPhones, whatever you want to uh, follow along with. We are, are. Is it okay to, if we read some scripture tonight? Is that all right with you guys? I don't know about uh, this church service. We uh, we read from the Bible here. I know some church services. I'm not sure if they still read from the Bible, but uh, we read from the Bible here, and uh, everything that we talk about is centered around the Word of God. And you know what we value? Let me share this with you. Um, you know, I feel like you know Trent talked about this last time. He talked about valuing valuing your relationship with Jesus, and it was an incredible message on on how we don't value that and other things that take place in our life that devalue our relationship. And I feel like there are so many times in our life that we devalue the Word of God. You know, I mean, I, let me just let me preface it with this, and I'm I'm going off track here, but that's okay. I feel good about this that. Uh, the Word of God is, is so val, it's so valuable. And it is so consistent all the way through and through. And it is such incredible guidelines for Christian living. And, and to be honest, I mean, just like we can't breathe without the presence of God and we can't move and be guided, we can't be guided without the Word of God in our life. It is, I mean, the Word of God has the answer for every single situation we, we will ever encounter in our life. You know, I had uh, dinner with a guy in Israel one time, and and it was this guy. It, Cade was actually sitting right next to me. It was a guy who his family lived in this community called the Druze community, and the Druze community was a a mix between a, another culture and Jewish culture, and they did not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, it was a it was mixed religions, and no one in the history of the Druze community had ever been born again had ever been saved before. And this man, I can't even pronounce his name, and his family, his five kids, they, they were the first family in the history of the Jews community to be born again. Okay, And they got a hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they got a hold of the word of God, and, and by themselves they led 80 families to the Lord. 80 families. Okay, that's absolutely incredible. The average person only leads eight people to Jesus in their lifetime. And that's probably, that average is probably higher because of people that lead hundreds and thousands of people to Jesus. But the average person, but they had led 80 families to Jesus by themselves. Okay, I had the opportunity to be able to eat dinner with this guy. I didn't say a word. I wanted to hear story after story, story about him being a persecuted Christian and, and a persecuted church and a persecuted family. And, and, and we, we took up offerings for him. And you guys have heard about us, you know, talk about him before. But, you know, they experienced things like car bombs and they built a church and, and then the Jewish community burned it to the ground. And, and their kids got beat up at school because they claimed to be Christians. And I mean, not beat up or, or like teased like maybe you got, but I'm talking about their arms broken and their legs broken. Okay, and, and, and their kids weren't able to eat this meal that we were eating at this five-star resort in Israel. And the mom was crying the entire time she was eating the meal because she, was, she felt so bad because her kids couldn't eat the same meal that she was. Because her life had been so miserable. And I watched this man bring his Bible with him to dinner. He brought his Bible with him to dinner. Okay, I want you to get this. And he, he broke it out to read us a scripture. Broke it out to read the scripture, and he broke it out of the box that it came in. Okay, you leave your Bible laying on the dash where the sun can deform it, decompose it, and melt it down. You throw it down in the pile of whatever papers or put it underneath the, the things that, 
you consider more important than the Bible. We throw it around everywhere. But this man broke his Bible out of the box to protect it. And then when he got done, he put it back into the box to keep it protected. That's how much he valued the Word of God. And I was blown away. It was a defining moment for me. It was a defining moment for me that, man, I went back to my hotel room that night, and I just began to pray and to ask the Lord to forgive me and say, Lord, do I value the Word like He does? Do I value your presence and what you are saying to me and, and what you are speaking to me through your word like this man does? Because it had come and it had changed his family. It had changed his community. And it was just absolutely revolutionizing and changing history in the Jerusalem community. And he valued it. So, man, we, we just, I don't know. I, I don't know why I went off on that. But we just, we have to value the word of God. It's so important. It's so it is so good. It is the primary way the Lord is speaking to us and how He operates and, and how His kingdom works and how we build His kingdom and how we affect other people around us in, in, in our lives and other people around us. It is absolutely amazing. So we're going to read from Galatians and we're going to value it tonight. We're going to value everything that it says. Galatians chapter 5. Let me pray for you and pray for us tonight. Lord, we thank You for this word tonight. We thank you that this word has been preserved for us for thousands of years. When Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians, Lord, that he gives them instructions. And Lord, I pray that we would, it would set off an alarm in our mind and in our hearts and that we would value this word that we're going to hear tonight. Lord, that we would value it like, like when they held the letter from Paul and they read it to the Galatians and the leader, the, the pastor read this letter from, the, uh, from Paul. Father, I pray that we would value it like they did, Lord, that we would live our life according to your word, God. Lord, that it would help us and it would instruct us and, and, and uh, we would live a life that is worthy of our calling, Lord, that it would help us fulfill the calling that you have for our life. Lord, I thank you that you are speaking to people tonight. Lord, I thank you that you are speaking to their hearts. Lord, I thank you that, that Lord, that I am, just, I am just the UPS guy delivering the package tonight. Lord, that you are bringing the message that the Holy Spirit is piercing their heart. Lord, that people are going to hear things tonight that, that maybe I didn't even say, but you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And they're going to hear something completely different that, Lord, you're just, you're ministering to them. And I thank you that when we hear the Word of God in the life of the Scripture that we will leave tonight. And, Lord, that it will change us, and it will not just be another sermon, Lord. It will not just be another podcast. It will not be something, Lord, that we just let go in one, in, one ear and out the other, Lord, but it would set up residence in our heart, Lord, that we would hold on to it. We would live our life according to it. Lord, we thank you in advance for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about sync. And I'm not talking about the greatest boy band to ever hit the planet. I know you guys got excited about that. But I am definitely not. I'm kidding. I'm not a fan of NSYNC. actually can't even remember one of their songs uh, that they wrote or sang, which is probably a great thing. Um, but I want to talk to you about being NSYNC. You know, you notice the band. We have a great worship band and uh, a talented, talented, anointed musicians. And you notice that w one of the things is that we could worship with our voices, we could worship with our hands, but you know, when we put a band on the stage, it is important, okay, not for the, it is not important for the Lord's presence, but it's important for our distraction purposes that the band is in sync, okay? And you notice tonight, 
that the band was in sync. They were in sync together when they were playing together. Everybody was hitting the right notes. Well, at least I thought so. 98% of the time, I'm not a huge musician. So, But they sounded in sync. They were, they were playing in sync. And if I were to get up there, things would fall apart. And it would not be in sync. And it would be a huge distraction. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make the difference on if the Lord showed up or not. But it would definitely be out of sync. You know, I think about, I've played the games. I'm a youth pastor. And so I've played the games, the three-legged race. Anybody ever played that game before? The three-legged race where you, you have to tie, uh, you get a partner. And it's basically a race to the finish line. You get a partner and you have to tie a rope to each other's leg, each other's inside. You know, your, or your outside legs actually and your inside. It would be your inside, whatever, however that works. Anyway, I don't, I don't really know what I'm going for there. Anyway, so it's like this, it's like a three-legged race because you got, you know, your two legs make one leg. And you've got to run together to make it to the finish line. And it is the absolute funnest thing to play. And it's the funnest thing to watch because normally 90% of the people cannot get in sync to be able to run together. So they're constantly falling all over each other, tripping all over. I love to do it. It's so entertaining for me to watch and not have to do because it seems like nobody makes it to the finish line because they have to be in sync, in sync. You know, when I was watching the Olympics, uh, you know, a few months ago, I was watching the Olympics and for some reason, I just, I just got honed in on the rowing. And the rowing, I don't know what it is. It's not an exciting sport, but you just kind of get mesmerized by it. It's the rowing. And it's these, these slender, I mean, slender, slender boats that I don't even know how these guys get their honeys into. And, but, but they get in these boats, and it's like, you know, five or six of them. And then they got this one guy, this lead guy, and he's turned around the other direction from the guy. And he's yelling out, you know, whatever he's yelling out, stroke or row, 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 shh, shh. And it's like this tempo thing they got going on. They're in sync. And the Germans are going, whatever they would say in German, you know, but it's, it's, it's in tempo and, and it's in sync. And the best guys who win, the best guys who win, and they, I mean, they win by like, by like a hair, man. These guys are so good. And the, but the, the guys who win are the ones that are in sync, in sync the most. They're just dialed into each other, and they know each other so well, and they just got that tempo down, and, and their leader is instructing them and in, in setting the tempo and so that everybody can just be in sync and row at the same time and hit the water at the same time. You know, whenever I take my youth on a canoe trip, it is not in sync. It is, it is awful. It is hilarious to watch because they make Z. I mean, a four-mile trip takes us four days. Because, I mean, it is, and I don't give any instruction on, on the thing with rowing and, you know, the whole canoe thing because I, I think it's funny. And I wanted to figure out how to work with a partner and work with as a team and figure out fighting each other and things like that. And, and you know, learning how to work together. I, I, I want them to figure that out. It's kind of entertaining. Because these macho guys get in there, you know, my football players, they get in there with their big muscles thinking that they're going to be the first ones to finish four miles. And they're zigzagging through the river, running into trees, going into caves. They're on the beach half the time because they cannot figure out how to get in sync. They don't know how to figure one rose on the left and one rose on the right. And then one's controlling, you know, the guy in the back's controlling, you know, where we go. And, and they never get in sync. Well, Galatians talks about this. Paul writes about how to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. So let's read Galatians 5, uh, verse 24. I'm reading out of one of my students' Bibles tonight. Mine got stolen uh, out of my truck. 
Hopefully that person gets born again and gives me back my stuff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right, uh, Galatians 5. This is like font size 4. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 24. It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. Come on, help us, Jesus, with its passions and desires. Verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, it says, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we're just going to say tonight, instead of in step, I'm going to say in sync with the Spirit, okay? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in sync with the Spirit. He's saying, since you live by the Spirit, since you've been born again, since you've been saved, what happened when you got born again and you got saved was Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. When He left, the Holy Spirit came to dwell on the earth and now He dwells on the inside of you. When you got born again and you got saved, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, dwells on the inside of you and He becomes your moral compass now. He becomes the influencer in your life. That before you got saved, culture and society was your moral compass. Well, the, everybody's doing it. That's what TV says. That's what the advertisement says. You had no moral compass. You had no influence. Society and culture was your influencer. But now, okay, Ephesians 5, just like Ephesians 5 says, to be instead, be, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, which means now let the Holy Spirit influence you. So we live according to the Spirit now. We live by the Spirit. He is our influence, influencer, and we follow His direction. We follow His guidance now. It's the Spirit of God that speaks to us and nudges us when we're getting into hairy situations and there's somewhere we shouldn't go, something we shouldn't respond to, a phone call we shouldn't answer. And it's the Holy Spirit that guides us and speaks to us and says, hey, that's not a good thing. Or, hey, that's God. Keep moving. Keep moving forward. So it's the Holy Spirit that we live by. And he's saying that it is our responsibility. He doesn't say that the Holy Spirit is going to keep you in sync. He doesn't say that. Paul says it is your job, it is your responsibility to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the difficult thing about Christianity. Because our nature wants to fight back against the Lord's nature. Jesus' nature is, I want to stay up till late praying for the people that are hurting my church. I want to stay up praying for salvation. I want to stay up praying and spending time with the Father, communing with the Father. I want to get alone. That's the Lord's nature. But my nature says I want to go to bed. I'm tired. Or there's something else to do. There's entertainment. I'm bored. And the Holy Spirit's nature in to stay in step with Him is, hey, let's commune with the Father. Let's spend time with the Father. And our nature and His nature, they collide and they fight against each other because our selfish and our fleshly nature wants to fight against that. But we're supposed to be in sync with Jesus. Where His eyes look, our eyes look. What His mouth says, our mouth is supposed to say. What the Lord gives attention to is what we should give attention to. Wherever the Lord moves, we move. We are in step. We are in sync with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. But that's your responsibility. Because the Holy Spirit is the associate. He's the helper. He's not going to force you to do anything. It's your responsibility to say, I am making a commitment to be in sync with the Spirit. Because I live by the Spirit and He influences me, it is my responsibility to be in sync with Him. To choose to live a life that is to be in sync with Him. To choose to make a commitment. Today, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. You know, today I was driving along. Man, this mic is, I'm going to burn it after the service is over tonight. Anyway, I was driving along today and, and uh, you know, uh, 
<clears throat> I was driving on 69 in Mid-County, and, and uh, it was starting to rain a little bit, and there was this guy who was on the side of the road, and he was trying to change a flat tire, and he was having difficulty using this little bitty jack, and, and it was starting to rain and everything like that, and I had already had my nice clothes on, my duds on, and I was ready for tonight, and I was in a hurry because I needed to put some stuff down. And, and, and when I pass by him, it's just my thing to stop and help. It's just, it's my thing. I'm not preaching that you should do that. I'm just saying it's my thing. It's what the Spirit is. It's just, it's one of those things. I, I'm drawn towards that. I'm drawn to help people on the side of the road. And uh, probably because I've been there so many times. <laughs> anyway, so, so I'm driving along and, 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 and I, I pass him up. And it, it's, you know, it's starting to rain on him. He's out there pumping this little jack. And... And the Holy Spirit just begins to move over me. Just begin to move over you and just stop. Settle your world. Stop and go help. Stop and go help. To be in sync with the Spirit. And, and I fought it. And I like went, I was going to my, my, my apartment. And I'm, I'm going down 69. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll exit. And it was just so heavy on me to stop and go back and to help. I'm thinking, man, I've just, I've got, I'm thinking about all the reasons why I can't stop, why I don't have time, and what if it turns into this, and what if it turns into, I'm predicting the outcome, and I'm just not surrendering to being in step with the Holy Spirit, being in sync with this God moment that God could have for me. And so finally, I'm just thinking, well, I'll turn around, and if he's still there, we always do that. If he's still there, well, then I'll go help. Sure enough, he's still there, so I'll pull over, get out in the rain doing everything I can to help this guy to get him back on the road. But it was a fight. It was a struggle for me. And it wasn't that the Holy Spirit forced me to do anything. It said the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Stay in sync with me. Stay in step with me. If you want to be influenced by me, it's your responsibility to stay in sync with me. And he's not going to force you to do that. It's a commitment that we make. You sacrifice things. You give up time. You give up entertainment. You give up environments. You give up friends. You give up relationships to be in sync. What happens when we're not in sync with the Holy Spirit? Turn over to, uh, go over, right Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Just take a, take a right. Verse 29. He says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The word grieve means to agitate or to frustrate. You know, that's what we do. When we're not in sync, that's what happens. We grieve, we agitate, we frustrate we fight against the nature of the Holy Spirit. And it is possible for us as Christians. And it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean the Spirit of God or God Himself loves us any less. It doesn't mean we're going to hell. It means we agitate, that we frustrate, that our nature fights against His nature and that it frustrates Him. Because He's trying to show us what is good. He's trying to show us what will profit us. It's just like when Isaiah, God is talking to the people of Israel. He says, Isaiah 48, 17 says, I want to show you what is good for you, for the things that will profit, profit you. If you will do what I command, your blessings will roll in like waves of the sea. He says, I want to show you what is good for you. And the Holy Spirit only wants to show us what is good for us, good for our own lives and good for the lives of others. But he's saying you have to choose to be in sync and to be in step with me. But if you refuse that, it goes against the nature that I'm trying to work in your life. 
It goes against me trying to grow you. It goes against me trying to, uh, you know, uh, make an impact in other people's lives and to demonstrate the goodness of God, the mercy and the great, the grace of God and the compassion of God in other people's lives. It goes against my nature. And so it agitates him. It frustrates him. And you know, to, I don't know about you, but, but whenever, I am, whenever I am not in sync with the Holy Spirit, I am miserable. Whenever I am not in step with the Spirit, I am absolutely miserable. You don't want to be around me. You know, I mean, you can ask my closest friends. You don't want to be around me. I can turn Sol- Solomon pessimistic on you in a heartbeat. I mean, you, when I am not in step with the Holy Spirit, it is, it is miserable. It's like the person that is not in sync in the choir. It is miserable. Listen, I know it, you know it, you're a bad singer, sit down. It's not in sync, it is miserable. It's like the guy who is not in sync on the football team. Everybody else is good, but you can't catch the ball at all. You feel like that guy when you're not in sync. You know, you feel like the person in the band that can't keep up with the rest of the musicians and you're just not in sync and you just don't have the talent. You have that feeling of, man, I just don't have it. I'm just not there. I'm not in sync. Well, the same time that we're not in sync with God, in sync with the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, we are miserable because you're going against the nature that God has intended for you to walk in. New King James says to walk in the Spirit. That when we walk in the Spirit, instead of in step with the Spirit, it says to walk in the Spirit because that's the nature that God has intended for us to walk in. So let's turn to John. I want to show you a story of this. How we get back in sync if we get out. I know you guys never get out because you're perfect. So maybe I'm just preaching to myself. But John chapter 21. John chapter 21. This is a great story. I don't even know if I've ever preached from this story. I told Jeff that today, but, it, but it's good. John 21, we're going to start looking at verse, uh, we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read a little bit. We're going to read a little bit. You know, because the goal, the thing is, is the goal in Christianity is, you know, when two people get married, I've done a couple weddings this year, Trent was one of them, he got married, and one of the things that we talked about is in Genesis and Ephesians and Colossians, it talks about this verse that the two uh, shall become one. That, a, that, a, that a, a, a son will leave his father and his mother and he'll, he'll cling, he'll cleave to his wife and that he'll leave his family and the two shall become one. Okay? This is why the Bible says don't sleep with a prostitute. If you sleep with a prostitute, that you give yourself and the two become one. That that is a big deal. The two become one. And so when you give your life to Jesus, your life is placed in him. And the two of you guys, you become one. You become in Jesus. You become in Christ. So the goal of Christianity is when people look at you and they look at me, they don't see Trent Arnold. They see Jesus Christ. Okay? The goal of Christianity is not to see Jeff or Morgan or Haley or Amac. It's not to see those people. It's to see Jesus Christ. That we are supposed to look like Jesus. Not like ourselves. The goal is to be in sync so that we look like Jesus. And we're going to start, we're going to read in this, this story about a man named Peter that got out of sync and how he got back in sync with, uh, in sync with the Spirit. And just to kind of preface this, uh, John 21 verse 1, the little backstory on Peter was, I'm sure many of you guys know it, um, but if you don't know, I'll explain it to you. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He was a rough fisherman. You know, he's just a rough cussing fisherman. He couldn't, you know, he just, he's going to take over his dad's business. And, uh, and Jesus comes along and, and, and just impresses him. And, and he's heard about his reputation. And, and uh, you know, Jesus kind of teaches him how to fish. You need to read about it in the beginning of the, of the Gospels. 
And, and G- Peter drops everything. He drops his father's business. He drops, he drops that business, drops what he's doing to become what Jesus calls him a fisher of men. He says, you, you used to know how to fit, you know, fish for fish, but now I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men. I'm going to teach you how to catch men. I'm going to teach you how to catch souls. Okay, and how to impact the kingdom of God. So he becomes a disciple and he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And he is like the second man. John is kind of like the one that Jesus loved uh, the most and kind of favored the most. And Peter's like the second guy. And he, his name was Simon, but then it got changed to Peter, which means the rock. And Jesus said, man, on you, I'm going to build my church. You're known as the rock. So it was this incredible transformation. Okay. Well, Peter is in absolute, absolutely committed to following Jesus like many of us are. And he tells, he tells Jesus this, this ultimate phrase, Jesus is getting ready to die. He's getting ready to be buried and he's getting ready to resurrect on the third day. And, and Jesus is setting them up. He's preparing the disciples for that. He's saying, listen, where I'm going, you can't go yet. And Peter says, that's bull. Wherever you go, I'm going. Jesus, I'll die for you. That's what he says. He makes this huge commitment. of He, he stands up boldly and he proclaims, Jesus, wherever you go, I'll go. I will gladly give my life for you. I will gladly die for you. And Jesus looks at him and he says, listen, before the rooster crows, which means before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three different times with three different people. Deny that you even know me. And sure enough, a lot of us know the story. Before the next morning, Jesus is being taken away to the courtyard and the high council comes and gets him and the, you know, the, uh, the, the religious leaders and things and they come get him, they escort him off and, and Peter comes and he falls along in the courtyard to see what's happening uh, with Jesus and kind of blends in just like a normal person. And sure enough, a few different people saying, hey, aren't you the guy that was in the garden with Jesus? And when they came to him, he says, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who he is. Never seen the guy, never heard of the guy. And then I him three times and then the rooster crows and the morning comes. And Peter runs off in guilt and shame because he denied Jesus three different times, just like Jesus said he would do. So that's where we're going to pick up. John chapter 1, a little backstory for you so you know what was going on. So this is after Jesus has died. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. And he's actually appeared to the disciples a couple different times. And this is the third time. John chapter 1, verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there together. I'm going out to fish, Peter told them. That's what he did before, before he decided to follow Jesus. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So there was a man, Jesus came walking along, he's on the shore, but they have no idea who it is. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Have you caught anything? He says, they said, no. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. He was so frustrated, he just took off his clothes. He's fishing in his underwear, poor guy. He is distraught. And jumped into the water. The, other's disciple, the other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were far from shore, about a hundred yards. So he just jumps out of the boat. Get this, he just jumps out of the boat. He, Jesus says, hey, try it on the other side. Try it on the right side. They do it, they fish, they catch a big, you know, 
They, they catch this boatload of fish. Peter finally puts his clothes back on. He jumps in the water and he swims to Jesus 100 yards. The other disciples decide to stay in and row the boat to shore. Jesus said to them, uh, or excuse me, verse 9, when, the, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to him and did the same of the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples and he was after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15, hang with me. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. This is where it gets good, really good. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Peter replies, yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Ask him a second time. He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and, where, and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him with an exclamation point, follow me. Follow me. It's amazing. So he's fishing. Let me explain this to you real quick in layman's terms. Jesus has gone, and he's returned to the disciples a couple of different times. And he's come back to them, this is the third time, and Peter, in his guilt and his shame, and being so distraught and not having any kind of a model, Jesus shows up, it's confusing at times, he's having to ask a lot of questions. Jesus dies, he didn't understand the plan of God at the time. He, he didn't understand that Jesus was supposed to sacrifice his life, and that this was the plan that God had all along, and, and Herod and Pilate were falling into that plan. He was distraught, and he didn't know what to do, and he says, you know, doggone it, I'm going fishing, I'm going to take my clothes off while I do it. I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. I'm, I feel guilt. I feel shame because I've denied the Lord three times. And the Lord comes along and, and, and the Lord sees him in the boat. And they don't know it's the Lord at first. And he says, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And he does it. And then they catch this huge load. And then they realize that it is the Lord. That it is the Lord. And then Peter begins to swim to Jesus. When he gets on shore, he begins to have this moment with Jesus. And at that moment before Jesus showed up, he was completely out of sync. But Jesus slaps him around a little bit, reprimands him, corrects him, instructs him, gets him back in line and gets him in sync. And, and when I began to read this, I just kind of caught a few things that, that happened with when Peter and, and Jesus got alone together. And I caught a few things that he did to get back in sync. I want to give those to you real quick. Number one is this, what, did, what Peter did to get back in sync. Uh, number one is he lets Jesus intervene in his situation. He lets Jesus intervene in his situation. You, you ever seen the TV show, that TV show Intervention? I, I, think, I don't know if it's called Intervention or whatnot. Uh, but it, it's just the saddest people that have these complete addictions. 
And Kate, I'm switching this mic uh, if I can. Go ahead and mute that one. Yeah, there we go. Tired of playing with that thing. So there's a TV show, and, and, and most of the time they're showing these addictions that these people have. And, and the premise is it's really about the intervention. But most of the time they're just showing, most of the show is about these people's addictions and issues and alcohol and sex-related things and family things and OCD things. And so they bring people in to this room or wherever it is, and they bring family and friends in to be able to intervene for this person. To be able to tell this person, hey, you need help. This is an issue for you. This is an addiction. And so they intervene for this. Well, this is exactly what, what happens in Peter's life. He lets Jesus intervene in his situation without him even knowing that it was Jesus. This guy is on the shore who they have no idea who it is. This guy's on the shore. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. And this guy comes along and says, hey, have you caught anything? And they said, no, we haven't caught anything. He says, well, try it on the right side. Can you imagine? Like me telling Amac, like he hadn't fished the right side today. Like if he hadn't caught anything, hey, hey, man, why don't you try it on the other side? Like he hasn't tried that. I mean, come on. Oh, I can't believe I didn't think about that. Fishing on the right side of the boat. What? That's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? What an idiot. But he does it. He, he lets Jesus intervene in the situation. And he just obeys. He just says, okay. Okay. And then they cast the nets on the other side, and they take in this huge, huge load of fish because he lets Jesus intervene in a situation. And what do we do so many times? We get, we get out of sync and out of step with the Holy Spirit, and we won't let anybody, we won't let anybody intervene in our situation. Nobody's going to minister to me. Nobody's going to talk to me. Nobody's going to sit me down. You know what you do? You start to, you become out of sync and you become miserable and everything starts to bother you and you start to avoid every good person around you. I don't want to talk to them because I know what they're going to say. I don't want to talk to my pastor because, man, he may prophesy over me. And he's going to reveal all the sin I got in my life, so I'm just going to sit on the back row. And, man, man I, I hope I don't talk to him. I, ho I hope she doesn't call. I just avoid her call because I know she's going to ask me about this or he's going to ask me about this. I don't really want to talk. And we start to avoid all these good people because we don't really want any intervention. That's what happens. That's reality. I've been there. The guy on the back row, the prophet comes into town that just hears from the Lord, or you're around your pastor, and you're just on the back row going, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. You see your pastor in the hall. You see your leader, your mentor. You see your friend. Lord, I love you so much. Please forgive me. Don't reveal anything in my life. Because you're just refusing to, to let to let the Holy Spirit intervene in your life. Peter was so desperate, he took advice from what he thought was a stranger. And he was a professional fisherman. And that we, we feel like we become professional Christians, and we just can't let anybody intervene or minister to us in a moment. Or because you're not here, because you're not at my level, or maybe because you don't know as much Bible as I do, or I see it this way, and my pride's completely getting in the way, that I'm just not going to let Jesus intervene in my situation. I'm going to try to fix it myself. I know what to do. Yeah, yeah, I know. But are you really letting Jesus intervene in this situation? Stop the cycles. Stop, stop continuing the re repetitive cycles that are destroying your life. 
these cycles that you get on and you're just doing the same thing over and over again and it's destroying your relationship with God. It's destroying the relationships around you and you're just continuing these cycles. Set aside the relationship if that's what it takes, but get serious about letting Jesus intervene in your situation. Number two is this, he aggressively responds. I love this. He aggressively responds. There is action involved in showing real love. Peter loved Jesus. He really wanted to follow him. That was the intention of his heart, but there is action in real love. And when he sees Jesus, when he figures out it's the Lord, man, it is the Lord. Most of you guys would be like, all right, yeah, that's cool. I probably would have caught that too. You know, eventually I would have tried the right side. I would have figured that out for myself. But Peter doesn't do that. He abandons everything. He abandons the, the fishermen. He abandons the load. Most of the time we're thinking, well, I got to be responsible for this. And I know the Lord's trying to intervene in my situation, but I got to keep doing what I'm doing because it's important to me. When the Lord and the Holy Spirit is trying to intervene in your situation and he's trying to fix you. But what does Peter do? He drops everything to aggressively respond to Jesus. He jumps out of the boat and swims a hundred yards to the Lord. Because there is real action in real love. And then if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, not somebody who just loves him, not somebody who just says something, but if you want to be a follower, there is aggressive response. That if you're holding on to a sin, you got to get aggressive about it. you got to get aggressive with the sin. you got to stop the cycles. you got to stop your world and begin to aggressively respond to the call that Jesus is calling you to the word that he has for you, when he's trying to intervene, that you have to get aggressive, you have to get serious about this, to set aside the things, to set aside the Facebook, the Twitter, your friends, to set aside and get serious about aggressively responding to Jesus. Because that's what Peter did. And he got back in sync. We're going to figure that out when we keep reading. Our, our, actually, I'll just tell you, but he got back in sync with the Holy Spirit. By aggressively responding to Jesus. And when I read this, this is kind of funny, it's not, not super spiritual, but when I read this, I thought about uh, this video clip, and I had to show you because I, I just, it's what I, I'm sorry, but it's what I immediately th thought about, and well, let me preface the video before Ike plays it, but basically the movie is Forrest Gump, and he has just got out of the war, and he has bought himself a shrimp boat because he wants to be a shrimp boat captain. And he wants to start a shrimping business. And he had a lieutenant in the army named Lieutenant Dan. And, and this Lieutenant Dan made him a promise that if you ever become a shrimp boat captain, I will be your first mate. <laughs> and so Lieutenant Dan has now just shown up on the scene. And Forrest Gump goes by and sees him for the first time that he has come to be his first mate. So can you play that video clip? And this is what I thought about when I read this story today. This is what Peter looked like right here. So he didn't have a shrimp boat. <laughs> it's the Lord. Hey! That's 
so great. That's so wonderful. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that, I wish I could keep showing it to you because the boat actually comes. I'm sure you've seen the movie. Everybody has, but the boat actually comes back around and crashes into the dock and goes, that's my boat right there. Anyway, so, but that's, it's weird. I just, that's what I thought about. Uh, I thought about Peter doing that, being so excited that he saw the Lord and then he knew it was the Lord and he aggressively, just like forced it, he aggressively responded to the Lord, you know, and, and that's what we have to do. You know, we have to shut off some things in your life. You know, when the Lord is calling you to, man, when he is stretching you and he is wanting to intervene and you are out of sync with the Holy Spirit and you know it and everybody knows it around you and you just, you're just struggling, you're battling with this thing with the Lord intervening in your situation, you've got to get aggressive about responding to him. And here's the thing about shame, and, and I remember Jeff preaching this message a while back. It was a great message about shame does two things in our life. It either makes us run towards the presence of God or away. And so many times we get shameful and we get guilty, and we want to run away from the presence of God instead of getting aggressive about responding to him and responding to him about, uh, with him fixing our situation and aggressive with the sin in our life and aggressive with the habitual habits in our life and, and with the destructive habits, that we've got to get aggressive with that because that's what, that's what fixed Peter's situation. That's what got him back on track, got him back in sync was he aggressively responded to Jesus. The next point is he got alone with Jesus. He got alone with Jesus. You see, when you read on in the story, it, it, it proves and it kind of shows that him and Jesus had a little alone time together where they were walking down the Sea of Galilee, down the shore. And it says because John was following them is what you read later in the verses. So this indicates that he had some alone time with Jesus. And that when Jesus comes to him and, and he begins to speak to him, that this is a complete alone time with him and Peter. And you see, here's the thing is, is if, you're only, if you're only trying to hear the voice of the Lord in a crowd, then you can't hear the Lord clearly. Because the Lord speaks to you completely differently when it's an intimate relationship with him than he does to you in a crowd. And if you are relying on hearing from the Lord, always being in a crowd, then you don't have an intimate relationship with the Father. You know, there's a, there's, what we always say is this, it's, it's, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. That's been going around for 10 years, and that's true. There's truth behind that. But pre, people preach that. We preach that, and I'm guilty of that myself. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. Well, tell me, what is it like to have a relationship, a real intimate relationship with the Father? Because if you truly have not religion, but you have a relationship, what's it really like to have an intimate relationship with him? Can you imagine a marriage? Can you imagine a marriage or a relationship where you tried to figure this person out or know about this person only while you were in a crowd? Can you really know someone and what, know, what someone is like if you are only surrounded by crowds and surrounded by other people? No, when you really get to know each other is when you get alone and it's just you and that person and you and your wife or you and your husband, you and your boyfriend, you and your girlfriend, and you get alone and you start to figure out what each other is really like and you get to know them. It becomes intimate. 
It becomes an intimate relationship where you really know them. And you can't really know someone if you're always hanging out in crowds. And I'm not against our gatherings. I'm not against our, our, our you know, relationships by, you know, I'm not against, you know, our, you know, services and things. Those are important that, you know, the Bible says that we shouldn't forsake the assembling together. It's important to be together, to hear the word of God together. But it's just equally important to have an intimate relationship with the Father. To have an intimate relationship that when nobody else is around, you still seek after intimacy just like you do when you're around a crowd. Because you can't really know the Father. You can't really have that intimate relationship until it's just you and Jesus. Because that's when Jesus takes you aside and he begins to work on you. And when Jesus takes Peter aside, and we're going to look at this in a second. When Jesus takes Peter aside, he begins to get super personal with him. Super personal and that's what the Lord wants to do in your life. He wants to get so personal with you, a real relationship, a real intimate relationship. And you got to learn that. And we were just talking about that the other day. I was, talk- I was talking with Trent about that, that we have to learn, that we have to instill in other people how to have a deep, intimate relationship. Because you know what the thing is, and I know this is sad and it's heartbreaking, but you're not always going to have each other. You're not always going to be just a phone call away. It's not always going to be, hey, meet me at Starbucks in 15 minutes. Hey, send me a Facebook. You're, you're going to get busy. You're going to have families. You're, in the progression of life, you're going to move on to the next seasons of your life. And you, your foundation has to be the deep, intimate relationship with God. That you can't rely on other people. You can't rely on your pastor. You can't rely on your leaders. You've got to get alone with Jesus and let Jesus get you back in sync because he's the only one that really can. And see, you know what? What happens is when we're, we're, when we're out of sync and we're relying on other people, we're relying on our pastors or you're relying on people, you know, like me that stand up here and speak and, and preach the word of God, we get false doctrines and false teachings because you don't really know the word of God. You really need to know the Word of God, not because I say it, not because one of our leaders says it, because you know the Word of God. Because you have examined the Scriptures, like the Bereans in the Bible that Paul talks about, that they were a great people, because even with the leaders such as Paul, they still went back to the Scriptures to examine it, to see if it was right. That's how false doctrine and false teaching get started, is because we rely on what other people are saying. We come to church and we listen to what our pastor is saying, which we should do, and we should submit as long as it lines up with Scripture. But we need to know the Word of God ourselves just as much as how we're hearing it. That deep, intimate relationship is what keeps us in, st- in step, in sync. It gets us back in step and in sync. We've got to get along. The next one is he faces his sin. I'm almost done. I don't usually give this much points, but man, there's just, this story is just too good. He faces his sin. Jesus asks Peter, he looks at him, and he gets stern with him, he gets tough with him. He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you really love me? Which means this, Peter, a few chapters back, you talked a big game. You talked about that you said you'll go wherever I go and that you'll die and you'll give up your life and and you'll let them crucify you. And, man, you'll give up your, your entertainment. You'll give up your relationships. You'll give up embarrassing moments. You'll give up your reputation. Peter, you talked a big game. But, man, when it came down to your reputation and your embarrassment, you denied me three times. 
And he takes this moment with Peter and he gets so serious and asks him three times. I just think the Lord was would just keep asking him that because he just wanted to he wanted Peter to realize in his heart, it's gonna cost you something to follow me. Are you really willing to commit to feed my sheep? Are you serious about this? There's a difference when you say you believe in me and when you really want to follow me. Peter, are you serious? Do you really want to do this? Will you commit and walk worthy according to your calling? Do you really love me, Peter? He says it over and over again. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Quit messing around with the fish. I already took care of that. You're done with that. You're a fisherman. Get back in sync. Peter confessed to sin. He had this moment. And he moved on. And later on you see in Acts where he, it's just the day of Pentecost and he begins to preach and thousands becomes the, thousands get saved and, and the church is built and the gathering starts and it gets filled with the Holy Spirit and things, tremendous things begin to happen because he confessed to sin, realized where he was wrong. He got back in sync. What a lot of you need... I mean, you know what's on the other side of you just confessing your sin? Great things, great exploits for God. Your giftings and your talents just making room for you and making great influence in other people's lives and you doing such incredible thing. But what's on the other side? That's on the other side of your confession of your sin. Whatever that sin is, just just be done with it. Just be done with it. Quit quit being a slave to something that you're not a slave to anymore. Confess your sin and be done with it and move on with your life. Be be what Peter was. Get real with the Lord and say, Lord, I really love you. I really want to follow you. I really want to make a difference with my life. I want to feed your sheep. I, 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 man, I want to face what is not working with me. I want to fix what is broken with me. And I want to move on with my life and move on to the great things so that I can have peace like Andrew was talking about. You want to have peace when you lay your head down at night knowing that you're making a difference for God? Get in sync with the Spirit. Stay in sync with the Spirit. Confess your sin and move on. And do what you know in your heart is right already. And the last thing is this. He recommits to the Lord's will. He recommits to the Lord's will. I'm sure there, there, there are so many times in our lives where we can think about moments where everything was great and it felt like we were on the crest of a great wave and the Lord was really moving in our, really moving in our hearts, and and we have those moments that we remember where we were in sync, in sync with the Spirit, and it felt so good. We felt passionate, and, and we felt like we were man living a holy life, and it felt like we were not, you know, uh, we had shunned profane and idle babbling, and good things were coming out of our mouth, and and we were preaching the Word of God everywhere we went. And you remember moments where you were in sync with the Spirit and how good you felt and how much your character was being changed by the nature of Jesus. And it was just so peaceful. There are those times where when you're in sync, it's just such a great peace that overwhelms you. But on the flip side of that, as we remember, we certainly remember the times where we're not in sync. where we have no peace. Things are falling apart and people are recognizing in our life, man, you're just not in sync with the Spirit. And you remember those times and you begin to, like I said earlier, you begin to avoid people. You, you begin to avoid good people and you begin to 
decline and reject phone calls and texts because you know what they're going to say and you, you you're not letting the the holy spirit intervene and jesus intervene in your situation you're not aggressively responding because you're not in sync and it is a miserable life who likes to be the guy on the football team that can't catch the football who likes to be the one person in the choir that can't sing the one person in the band that is out of sync nobody it is miserable to be that person And it is the same way, it is the same feeling when I am out of sync and out of step with the Holy Spirit. It's miserable. Lord, help us to be in sync with your Spirit. Jesus, help us to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us where we got out of step with you and out of sync with you. Jesus, forgive us, Lord, when we didn't aggressively respond to the calling that you had for our life, Lord. When you were wanting to intervene in our situation, Jesus, forgive us. We want to be a generation that aggressively responds. Responds when you call. Responds when you show up on the shores of of our life. Lord, help us to confess the sin and the self-destructive habits that we have going on for the person that is dealing with the repetitive cycle of one foot in and one foot out. Lord, help them to confess their sin and move on with their life, to be done with the bondage, to be done with the slavery so they can walk in perfect peace when they fix their mind on you. Lord, help us to quit focusing on embarrassment Quit focusing on reputation. Quit focusing on other things that aren't matter. And Lord, help us abandon everything to jump out of the boat. To jump out of the boat and just swim to you. Because we want to aggressively respond to you. Lord, help us to be alone with you. Lord, we want to hear you clearly. We want to have a deep, intimate relationship with you, God. So I pray that we would not be people, we would not be Christians that have a surface relationship, that try to speak as if we know you intimately, but we don't know you. We don't really know you, God, because we rely on hearing your voice in a crowd or in a gathering. We're inspired by Christianity of other people instead of just you and your nature. Lord, help us to be alone with you. Jesus, forgive us for being out of sync with your spirit. Hallelujah. Just want to stay in this attitude and, and, and just for just for a few minutes. Just just continue to pray. Just begin to ask the Lord to just begin to forgive you and just begin to pray. Lord, I just want to I want to be in sync with the spirit. We're not going to have, I don't, I don't want to have an altar call tonight. We're just going to, we're going to take some time and we're going to be alone with Jesus. Tonight is not the night where we join hands with other people. There's nights for that and that's always great. But tonight is the night where we, we are alone with Jesus. So tonight, if you want to, whenever you have to leave is completely fine with me. But we're going to just take some moments and I'm, I'm going to get alone with Jesus. And we're just going to open up the altar. I don't want the leaders to come down, nothing like that. But we're going to open up the altars. We're going to open up the rest of the room and just be alone with Jesus tonight.
just be alone and get back in sync. There are so, there are so many people that, that are struggling in life and struggling with this peace because they are not in sync. They're living a life of misery, of trying to play the game of one foot in and one foot out because they're not in sync with the Spirit. And people are watching. And people, the outsiders, people that are not serving the Lord are watching us and they can tell when you're out of sync and when you're not in step with the Spirit. That's what they see. Because they see you yourself. They see Ryan Castile. They don't see Jesus Christ. Lord, help us. Jesus. So Jeff's going to sing a song tonight. I don't want any, any of the band to come. Jeff would just sing a song. And whenever you have to leave, is completely fine. But we're just going to take some time. And, and, and we're not even going to have an official dismissal tonight. We're just going to take some opportunity to be alone with Jesus. You can use the rest of the room. You can use wherever you want. You can use the altar tonight. We're going to take some time to get alone with Jesus. Amen.